Welcome to episode 23 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. Today's guest is hailing from Alberta, Canada, and that is Danny LaFrancois. And man, she was such a fun guest. Like, I uh, felt like we were just like hanging out at the coffee shop, just chilling. And, you know, like it was just super fun. Um, we covered some really fun topics. We focused a lot on um, on workshops and um, just a lot of different variables that go into workshops, running workshops, um, the, the business of workshops, um, the impact of workshops and stuff like that. And we, um, I think we covered some really fun territory and definitely worth a listen this week. I think you'll really like this one. Um, please uh, rate the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. Um, and um, as always, 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 always feel free to reach out, uh, email, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. It's uh, at Matt Payne Photo or Matt Payne Photography. Thanks again, and I uh, look forward to hearing your comments. Cool. Well, uh, Danny uh, LaFrancois, it is awesome to have you on the podcast. It is absolutely wonderful to join you. And I totally didn't butcher your name, I hope. <laughs> it was good. It was good. <laughs> all right. Sweet, 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 sweet. So, um, first of all, thanks for your persistence on um, reaching out. And um, my, you know, like it's sometimes it's hard to make, make it work, but I'm glad that you could finally get on. Not a problem. It was, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, two different countries and, yeah. and all that fun stuff and different schedules and yes, you know, like it sometimes can make it challenging. Yeah, but we made it work. It's been a pretty pretty crazy summer, so it was uh, finally being able to kind of set this down and good. Yeah, 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 totally. So uh, I am I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit that um, I don't know a whole lot about you. That's right. Um, I do know that you take beautiful photographs, which is a prerequisite to being on the podcast for sure. Um, And I know that you uh, live in Canada near Banff National Park. Um, But other than that, I don't know anything about you. So (laughs) I thought it would be really cool for you to maybe just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Like, you know... uh, where you live, how you got into photography, uh, maybe what some of your favorite places are. All right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I live in Canmore, which is pretty much like five minutes from the gates to Banff National Park. And it's the flagship That sounds rough. Park. It, oh, yeah, it is. It's the roughest place <laughs> ever. <laughs> it's surrounded by mountains. You're just, yeah. <laughs> right, like you're, every day you go to night, go to bed at night, and you're like, oh, I can't believe I live here. This is I terrible. know, I know. And people are like, Oh, I'm having such a bad day. I'm like, Oh, I completely understand. This is a horrible place. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's a pretty epic place, and like it's really hard to to beat Banff. It's 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 absolutely crazy how beautiful it is. And you really can't have a bad day. Like if something's happening that's like not the best, it's like, oh, I'm just going to take a walk outside, go for a dog park or whatever. And just like you're surrounded. You just just you forget about your problems and you just look at the peaks and you're good. Oh, I bet. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have a similar similar experience here in Southwest Colorado. I mean, I can drive like 30 minutes and be in the best mountains in Colorado, so nice. I can't complain myself. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, so and uh, you're not originally from that part of Canada, right? No, I am originally from the complete other side, so uh, Ontario, southern Ontario. So pretty much about 40 minutes from Buffalo, New York. And, okay. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, so it was probably the most populated part of Canada, and uh, it's a nice change being away from all of those people, all on like all on top of each other, pretty much, and being out west, and things are a little bit more spread out. And um, I I remember when I was in Ontario, I was wanting to try to do uh, some night photography, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> good luck with that. I'm gonna find a dark spot, and I'm like, take some shots. I'm like, ah, oh, I could try and get away from some more light. And I'd drive a little bit more, and I'd hit another town, and I'm like, oh, damn towns. <laughs> so it's nice here where you don't you can just drive five minutes, and you're, you're out. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. When, I first, when I first got here, you know, I was, like, amazed at how many stars I could see. Because, yeah. you know, I love night photography, so yeah, um, being close to the dark skies is super important for me, too. Yeah, it's, it's pretty special to be able to see the stars. And I've had clients this past summer who really, who've always grown up in cities and never really, really experienced the stars. And like, right. we had a full moon night where you, the stars out here are like, they're amazing with the no moon. But even with the moon, you can see enough. And like, yeah. his, his breath was taken away even by that i'm like oh you should be here in two weeks then <laughs> right nuts. like your your head will explode <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure man um yeah that must be i don't i you know i grew up in um it's funny you talked about um uh you know the west and how things are spread out because um you know, I lived in, I grew up in Colorado Springs, which is a pretty populated place, but, you know, where it's really close to mountains and stuff like that, but it's really wide open, you know, it's really spread out and, you know, you don't feel like you're, I don't know, like boxed in or whatever. Yeah. And then I moved to Portland, Oregon, which is a beautiful place, but I like never thought I would realize this, but I... I felt super claustrophobic in the city. Like, yeah. it was, like, and there's, like, you know, it's all trees there. So, trees and buildings. So, it's, like, you can't see further than, like, 50 feet. Yeah. You know, it's, like, <laughs> you can't see anything. I, I didn't realize how much I would miss just being able to, like, see out into my surroundings. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I know that feeling. Um, and I... <laughs> There must be like a there must be a word for that. I'll have to we'll have to make one up or something. Yeah. Well, when I first moved to the West, and I was like, I was so just in the mountains, and it was perfect. Anytime I'd have to like drive to the city, I'd immediately hit this one point where the foothills start and the mountains stop. And I like for the first couple months, I'd get the worst headache ever. And I'm like, oh, I have to turn around. This is not good. <laughs> just have to go back to the mountains. I'm not. I'm not ready for the city yet. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so how did you how did you make the transition from being in the city to being a photographer? Uh, well, I when I was in kind of the Niagara area is it has some nature spaces, but it was kind of limited and I had kind of I had visited all the, pl- the places that I really really wanted to photograph and kind of felt that I wanted to 
to expand my horizons. I've, we did a lot of road trips when I was a kid to uh, all around Ontario and uh, down to, down east to uh, Cape Breton Island where we had family and stuff. So I had seen a lot of the east and not too much of the west. And so I was at the age where I was like, I need to kind of spread my wings. And so I decided to move um, 4,000 kilometers away and, and kind of really be stubborn and just do landscape photography in the place where I felt most inspired was the mountains. Absolutely. So where did you just jump head first into doing it full time or? Uh, Well, first when I, when I first moved to um, the West, I landed in Lake Louise. And so I worked at the hotels and that's kind of the tourism business is big here. So that's what kind of um, put food on the plate and that kind of stuff. But um, I always, um, I kind of, I would always just do the pictures on my um, my days off, nights off, whatever, anything. And kind of slowly grew into um, having friends visit, um, teaching, helping people, um, friends and that kind of stuff. And then kind of slowly started to build the business and do um, private workshops with um, friends and then visitors and then complete strangers and that kind of stuff. And so this year, actually, uh, 2017 was my kind of jump two feet first kind of thing into uh, full time and and forget the government job and put everything on the line. Wow, that must feel like a whole mixture of emotions at the same time. Nervous as, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a nervous Yeah, year. I was just talking to uh, TJ Thorne about that last yeah. week. You know, he just he just kind of did the same thing. It's, I, you know, I, I don't know if you have kids or not, but, you know, having a kid and a wife, like, that would freak the shit out of me personally. Like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I just don't know if I could do it unless I had some some like nest egg or something. Yeah, well, I've um, I have a year and a half off from the government job where if like if everything fails, I can go back. So I do have a, a bit oh, of security sweet. that way. But um, like I can live on on like Mr. Noodles, but I need to have the good dog right. food. <laughs> So that's that's the thing that I have to worry about. <laughs> so you kind of have kids. Yeah, I'm a fur baby. Exactly. Right, like the really expensive dog food, not yeah. like Alpo or something. Yeah, no, he's he, <laughs> you save the Alpo for yourself when you don't have any income. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there's something about my I don't know my upbringing or something, but I'm like. I'm pretty risk averse when it comes to like taking chances like that, but it sounds like it's not that big of a chance if you have the ability to kind of go back into the workforce or whatever. Yeah, it's taken, I've been out West now for six and a half years and it's taken all of that time to get a reliable job that I could do this um, because you have to have a contract with, there's all this complicated park stuff, but. um, Oh yeah. But as soon as I kind of got the, the security, then I'm like, okay, I'll try it and, and see how it works. And and it's been a busy year, which is great. That is, that's awesome, yeah. you know. Um, so, oh, well, you didn't even put this down as a topic, <laughs> but um, it just kind of struck me as something that I'm interested in, so I'm just going to go there. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just curious, what is it like, um, this, I don't know, this is going to sound messed up, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. But what is it like to be um, 
a female workshop leader? Um, you know, is, is there any differences that, uh, you know, people should know about? Like, is it, you know, like, do people um, tell you something about it when they're participants? Or, like, have you, like, are there things that you notice as a woman that perhaps, you know, men don't experience? Or um, just curious about that. Yeah, well, one thing that, that I've noticed more and more um, is if I'm with um, another with a client and usually if it's an older male client whether they be 40 or over um, I'll usually have like if there's other people who are kind of in the area as we're shooting and kind of going through stuff um, if there is another visitor who asks like do you know where this place is they'll always ask him first thinking that he's the one who knows everything about what the area or photography or whatever um, and I've, all my clients have been awesome. And it's like, she's the one that knows everything. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, um, it's, it's just something that I've kind of noticed. Um, and I have like, when I did notice it, then I've kind of paid more attention to it as well. And I'm like, this does happen more often than I, um, than kind of should happen. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. And so I have a fairly unisex name, I guess. Um, and so I have had uh, clients who have um, not really read the the um, kind of bio in um, on the website <laughs> and were expecting someone else and like just kind of mentioned that they were expecting someone else, but never went further than that, uh -huh. um, which is which is all right. <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, it's not Danny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Danny, my man. <laughs> There is another uh, um, photographer who spells Danny the same way that I do, and it's a, a guy, um, I think he's based in uh, New York City area, um, or at least the state, and um, I, I always thought he was a, a, a female, because I'm used to the, the female right. way and the boy way, um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've always wondered about that, because um, I can't remember which podcast I was listening to, but someone was mentioning that... They um, they like to um, have both a woman and a man teach at the same time, and yeah. and and they've noticed that there's just some really interesting dynamics that happen um, when when you kind of make that combo happen. And I'm just curious if you kind of had a similar experience. It sounds like because you know I feel like you know like it might be stereotyping, but I think there's probably inherently things that women probably are able to notice in the field that men don't and vice versa and that not good or bad, like just kind of like, you know, I think women tend to be, you know, more elegant and <laughs> have a better like artistic vision. But, you know, like that's just my own mental stereotype that I've built over many years. But yeah, well, it is it is a, a stereotype that is fairly true because it is um, I have noticed more and more people um, kind of fitting into t into stereotypes. Um, not that it's a bad thing. It's just something that I've I've kind of I've noticed that um, a lot of men are kind of um, very tech gear. Um, oh yeah, right. Like, sure. like different things about that, and then um, it's not as uh, prevalent when I have any female clients. Like I don't know how to use this very well, but um, I know what I want, and how do I get that? How do I get my <laughs> vision with this camera? And then. Um, I've always been fairly techie myself. Um, I've never met a, a printer that I can't get work, 
working, um, which is usually an issue with computers. You can't get the thing to print. I can always get it to print. Um, so I can, <laughs> I, I, I tend to understand tech. Um, so I, I can do both sides, sure. which works well. Yeah. Well, um, it's funny. We were talking about this last night. I was, um, I was checking out some photos on that, uh, West coast photographers, Facebook group. Yeah. And um, I can't remember the person's name, but um, just because of the name, I assumed it was a woman. Mm-hmm. And be- and based on the image, I assumed it was a woman. I'm like, oh, that's that's amazing. And like, just the for for whatever reason, the image just spoke to me like from a woman perspective. I, yeah. I don't know how to explain <laughs> it, but like, and then I was like, oh, I wonder what her work is like. And I, the more I looked, I'm like, oh, this is a guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just weird how we have these um, hidden biases that we don't really realize until we're confronted by them and it's like oh like oops (laughs) definitely yeah i think we all have it you know like we all have these hidden biases as people and yeah and it's interesting how how it manifests in the world of photography too yeah but then Um, the first step kind of is knowing that you have them and you're not kind of oblivious of the fact of it (laughs) right well that is a good um first step for (laughs) sure (laughs) absolutely yeah Hey, so one of the other things I wanted to ask you um, while we're on the topic, sort of on the topic, is um, since you live in, near Banff and you're doing a lot of workshops and whatnot there, I'm assuming that you're going back to some of the same locations over and over again. And yeah. I'm wondering, what is that like as a photographer, as an artist? Because um, throughout the years, I have noticed some artists that do that um, – intentionally like uh there's this guy in Colorado Springs uh, that I used uh used to know and like it seemed like every weekend he was in the Garden of the Gods taking photos of, of the same like three comps like oh yeah and I was like don't you get tired of shooting the same three fucking comps like <laughs> go somewhere else yeah so I was just curious like what is that like for you um well with the workshops I can I can visit a spot the same spot um, four to five times a week, sometimes two to three times a day, depending on what people have booked. And, oh, right. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so um, I see that as a challenge for myself when I have clients to try and find something different or even like just something um, good for them. Um, but then when I, sh- I still will revisit these same spots for my personal work. And what I find is like, the light changes no matter what time of day it is. Um, the seasons change, the weather changes. There's always something different, even though the comp may be similar. Um, the little subtle differences between everything and doing different techniques or a long exposure, the clouds are going to be different. The light's going to be different. Like all that kind of stuff um, really excites me about adding something different to that same shot. Um, it's not like these places ever get ugly. Um, it's, oh, right, right, right. so it's, it's not like it's, it, it's, it's always going to be a beautiful photograph. Um, no matter what the weather, you just have to, to kind of, you get a real connection with the spot and she's like, yeah. Oh, someone moved something. And I'm like, I know where they moved it from. And I've always put it back <laughs> kind of thing. Cause <laughs> You're I, like, that rock doesn't go there. <laughs> no, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> stop moving sticks. <laughs> Like that log belongs right there. Trust exactly. me, I have forty-five <laughs> photos of that log in that spot, and someone yeah. moved it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I, like that. There's that connection that I have with specific spots, and 
and uh, they're just they're timeless to me. And for many people, they are timeless as well because they've there's pictures of them back in like the twenties of like you can see the subtle things that have changed over the years and oh yeah that's cool yeah and so um i do have a personal project um on the uh, icefields parkway up towards jasper that i go to every year for sunrise during the summer and so it is it's the athabasca glacier that i photograph and i have pictures of it receding every year and uh, so i try and not have it be like a documentation of this is the edge of the glacier that's receding. It's like, here's a beautiful photograph of a receding glacier. <laughs> and so I try to have it, it. It's my subject, but I try to not have it be an obvious kind of documentary piece. It's more of an art piece with a, uh, with a message that I can kind of add in after. <laughs> no, I think that's brilliant. I mean, I've, I've seen lots of, um, I can't remember if it was National Geographic or who it was, but they were actually looking for like a photo series that demonstrated climate change. Um, Oh yeah. It was actually TJ on my last guest. He was telling me that his um, art, he had a, he did an artist in residency at Crater Lake. And he was, he was telling me that one of the focus focuses that they wanted him to do was to show the impact of climate change Mm. on, on that environment. And he said it was really hard because, yeah, he that's just, something you need time like, for. Yeah, he's like, I just wanted to take beautiful photos. I didn't, and it was hard because it was like every day it was like sunny and boring. But yeah, it was hard to show climate change <laughs> when the environment never changed. Yeah, <laughs> over the time. Yeah, exactly. You need like a long period of time to be able to show any land changes to a landscape like that. Exactly. I feel like. And it's like you can you can try to to do that, but you you need those series of photos to tell that story. And because uh, it's something that you need to, that is very visual. And so, yeah, <laughs> you need time. <laughs> Absolutely. So I assume one of the other um, challenges that you face as a workshop leader up there is um, like, well, I know I experience it pretty much every time I go out, unfortunately, <laughs> is like, you go out and you're like, oh man, there's gonna be clouds. Like it's gonna be so amazing. It's gonna be sick. And then like there's no clouds and yeah. <laughs> like the lights super bad. And so yeah. like, how do you how do you handle those kinds of challenges when you're in the field? Uh, well, one of the best things when I first moved here was um, for like the first year and a half, I'd be out shooting four to five times a week for mainly sunrise because i had evening shifts um but so i was out uh taking the shots and seeing all the places that don't work (laughs) and uh so i now i know when like conditions are doing something um that i don't go to these places (laughs) to certain places um because um the light's not hitting the right way like this this summer we've had um clear skies and so there's certain places that you can go to for sunrise that you have clear skies that they kind of work. You can do alpine glow um, instead oh, of relying sure. on cloud light. Um, but this sure. summer, from July 15th until the middle of September, we were socked in with smoke because of the forest fires. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's like, okay. I don't know, man. Like uh, <laughs> some, of my, some of my best photos were like with, with lots of forest fire smokes. I absolutely love forest fire scenes and I feel really, really bad because I enjoy the smoke, 
but like people lose homes like it's right. good for the forest but for like the ones that are happening in california like that's horrible but the ones that happen up here um at least the one that we had this um uh this past summer was um like it was in the back country it was in a narrow valley that uh that like doesn't see people very often it it interrupted a few a few um backcountry hiker plans but other than that it was good for the forest so oh, for sure yeah so there was there's times where i'm like i have people who have like never been here before they're not going to be able to experience the like the classic picture of um banff and like the good mountain scenes i guess and uh, I had a client um, on one of the smokiest days around Lake Louise in this, in this past summer. And so we had a sunrise. And when I got to Lake Louise, I'm like, I can't even see across the valley. Like, this is not going to work. Um, so I, uh, <laughs> I crossed my fingers. And I'm like, I think I know where we can go. Where we're a little bit closer to the mountains. So we won't have to see it. Don't have to have the smoke so much, or so much smoke in between us. Um, and... Uh, it it paid off. I'm I, <laughs> I'm quite happy that it paid off because I was I wasn't 100% sure if it would, but it did. And like we had like layers in the mountains. We had a golden sunrise, and there was um, fireweed actually along the lakeside. Um, oh, so we had the the fireweed and the fire in the air. Um, so it worked out to be a really memorable shot. Absolutely, yeah. Fireweed's awesome. I know. <laughs> it's awesome i love it when it's because we have uh kootenai national park just over the border into british columbia um is kind of lightning alley so there is quite a lot of forest fires that burned and that's where the fire was this year and there's there's fireweed everywhere like like six feet tall fireweed um so it's yeah it's pretty cool walking you through it and have it be higher than you it's it's pretty yeah i don't we don't get it that big here i think it's i think the biggest i've seen it here is like maybe four feet three feet yeah yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All the city people are like, "What the hell is fireweed?" <laughs> I know. It's a pretty pur- purple pink flower. I'll post a. We'll post some photos of it in the liner yeah. notes. <laughs> and the leaves of it, once it dies, the leaves of it turn uh, red and and orange in the fall, which is really cool too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's pretty uh, pretty accurately named. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Yeah. So one other thing, um, I don't know, we're on a roll about uh, <laughs> workshops, but it seems like a topic that comes up quite a bit on the podcast. Um, yeah. I'm just curious, like I was talking to a couple of my friends about this on my fall photography trip, um, and none of us taught workshops or teach workshops. And, you know, we were just talking about like, well, what would it look like if we did that? And blah 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 and 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 the thing I kept coming back to in my mind was I was just trying to figure out how is it I don't know how to ask this question very well but how is it a how is this sustainable with how because it seems like everyone I talk to is doing workshops and it's like it's it's like at some point that market has to become oversaturated and and I'm just curious, like, who are these people paying for workshops? And, like, it seems like there's, like, so many people teaching workshops. I'm just curious, like, yeah, <laughs> how do you stay competitive in that environment? And, and, and I'm just curious, what is your perspective on that as someone who does it? Um, well, I've kind of, 
I've chose to do more of the private one-on-ones compared to group ones. Um, I kind of, I do a lot of work with the SEO and, and website stuff. So um, I kind of gear towards beginner and intermediate level photographers who are kind of, they're just coming to BAMP for a, a um, like a conference or something and they have an interest in photography and they want to learn and take and make sure that they get a good picture to bring home. Um, so it's, um, I think a lot of the group ones are geared towards a lot more intermediate to, um, more, um, pro, but semi-pro maybe, um, people who kind of really want to be taken to a really awesome spot and just like let loose and I can get creative, um, where I like to, I like to see the people, um, like finally get it and understand how f-stops work and understand the um the histogram like oh that's what that is i never had that turned on on my camera <laughs> right <laughs> kind of thing so yeah, there's just some funky lines <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so i like that's that's where i really enjoy um the teaching part of it um and so i think because i'm based in banff and not um, traveling kind of outside of this general Banff National Park, um, Kootenai, Yoho, Jasper area. Um, it's, I'm able to kind of super specialize on a location and kind of instead of, because I'm not too well-known um, or well-known at all, I guess, <laughs> some, to some people. Um, but well, I feel like you so have they're not to really be coming like... to me. <laughs> they're you coming have... for the location. Uh, so, uh, I mean, that's interesting because... I don't know. I feel like I live in a sort of similar place. I mean, Banff has definitely got some iconic stuff. And, like, I feel like there maybe is only one guy here that kind of does this full time. And I'm always just like, and he has a gallery and, like, he keeps it open. So he must be doing okay. It's like, yeah. I'm always just curious, like, because, you know, I don't know. It's just, I feel like it's a super competitive space to live in. It's, it is a lot of work. Um, it, from May until September, I, I sleep maybe two hours a night and oh then I God. nap throughout the day and find a shady spot to, to nap if I'm in the car and kind of on the go. So it is, it is very time, um, intensive, um, during the summer. Um, so it's not, um, like group workshops are not easy at all either. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, I don't really know. You must enjoy it or else you would have quit by now, right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> no, it's 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 fun. I um I'm a, a morning person and a night person, um, which means that sleeping during the day is what I very much enjoy, so it works out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Do you ever uh, cross paths with um Paul Ziska up there? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I uh, I've shot with him a bunch of times when I first moved out here. Okay. Um, God, what know, a cool we guy a, he is, man. I know, definitely, definitely. When I first moved out here, we were part of a uh, a secret Facebook group and for oh, the local that's area. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, so we got we'd, we'd shoot together. I think it was almost once a week, and uh, then kind of businesses and lives um, get busier, and uh, we were in a, uh, the group kind of slowly fell apart a little bit and uh but yeah we still keep in touch uh we uh i think at least once a year we try and get together and shoot together oh that's awesome yeah. well so one thing you know paul and i talked about and it turned out to be one of the most interesting discussions i've had and um i'm kind of curious about what your take is on it as being someone who's in that same area um 
You know, a lot of the locations that you're taking people to for these workshops, I'm assuming are pretty um, fragile in terms of the ecology and like the more people that go there, like the more opportunity there is for things to get, you know, like, I don't know, you've probably read all the like different things of like white pocket, like with the smoke bomb and just, you know, like, like Michael Fatali burning stuff in like arches and all that kind of crazy stuff or canyon lands or wherever it was. So I'm just curious, like, what's your perspective um, as someone who is taking people to these special locations? What's your perspective on how to keep those places special for the future? Um, well, because I also worked for Parks Canada, um, we also have kind of the mandate is to to preserve this, these places for the future and and like that was that's definitely something that like I personally believe in my um, employer believes in um, and then what I try to to get my clients to believe in too so like if I we visited a place for sunrise and there's garbage left behind like I'm picking up the garbage it's going into my my vehicle or I'm putting it in the garbage that um, is at the spot and like it's I'm trying to kind of lead by example and if there's people who move stuff um, I always point out to say someone has moved this it used to be in the forest now they've put it in the water um, and I'll I'll usually m- move it back because <laughs> okay. I've been to the places enough that I can I, I will know where it came from and put it back um, and try to counteract that um, um, that disruption um, so I try and kind of mention that the, with so many people going off trail, um, these this this trail usually isn't there or that kind of stuff, and just kind of mention it and kind of try and and, and get people interested in in that. And um, it is for people who visit um, natural places to take pictures. There's usually even just a hint of um, wanting to preserve it, even for their own selfish needs of I need to take this picture and have it stay pretty. That's that's a good reason to, <laughs> to want to preserve it. Um, but there's there's definitely some places where um, I see people, I see remnants of people moving stuff, and oh, it gets me so angry. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I, I find myself getting super worked up. <laughs> like mad at people when I'm out in the wilderness, like when I see them doing crazy, stupid things or like, uh, like I was at this. So there's this, there's this, I don't know. It's not even a secret anymore, but it used to be kind of unknown. Um, this high, high Alpine Lake here near Silverton called Island Lake. Um, I'm sure you've seen pictures of it. It's got like similar, like that turquoise water that you guys have up there. But, um, like, it's a really amazing, special place. And I actually went there for the very first time myself, having lived here my whole life. Went there the first time myself (laughs) just last year. Oh, really? And then, like, uh, we went there, like, late on a Friday. And Saturday morning, there was, like, uh, like, it was, like, a train of people that just kept coming. And it's, like, a... I don't know, like 2,000 foot elevation gain hike. I mean, it's not like you can just get out of your car and walk up there. I mean, it's, you want to be there. But it was amazing. Like people were just walking through our campsite, like, like yelling and screaming and just doing like leaving their trash. And it was just like, I was just getting so frustrated. Like what is wrong with you people? So I'm glad to hear that like you're using, 
they're using this as an opportunity to like educate people on on conservation because I think um, that is definitely something that as landscape photographers I think I feel I feel like it's our responsibility and duty to do that personally definitely. <laughs> and yeah definitely and I'd like I do that I've always done that um, especially with wildlife around here because um, there's so many people who like I can completely understand where you lose your complete sense of personal safety when you see a grizzly bears eating um, dandelions on the side of a road and you just have to run out of your car and run at the bear and take a picture. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it, it's happened and I've had, like, I try to not ruin people's experience. It's more of a, hey, remember about yourself and the bear <laughs> and get back in your car. <laughs> and so, like, even before um, I, like, I, I've always had kind of the respect for the wildlife and for the land um and for people who are not used to it you kind of kind of under had to have to understand where they're coming from and so i i um assertively tell them to um to get back in their car and and calmly educate and if they uh uh, they tell me off or whatever, then I, I take their picture and let them know that they'll most likely get a $25,000 fine and then they usually get back in their car. <laughs> yeah, money talks, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, so, like, personal that, safety. That kind of stuff. Personal safety, yeah. no big deal. Uh, respect for the wildlife, exactly. no big deal. Oh, $25,000 yeah. fine? Oh, I'll be going now. <laughs> exactly. I would always be like, um, we only have 60 grizzlies and there's 4 million visitors. We can get more of you, but we can't get more of them. So I don't care, like, I care about you right now. <laughs> trying to protect the bear. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no, it's an interesting perspective yeah. for sure. Yeah. Oh, man, that's, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know if I just have a short fuse because it's funny. When I, like, in day-to-day -day life, I don't have a temper um, I don't get worked up over much, um, like at work or with my friends or anything like that. But yeah. when I'm in the wilderness and I, and then like <laughs> other people come into the wilderness with me, this yeah. thing happens where I get like really angry, like get away. Like this is my wilderness. Like I don't want you to be here with me. Like go, go somewhere else. And they're not yeah. even doing anything wrong. Usually it's just like, I don't want to see other people. Just here. their general presence. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, you're people yeah. and I know you're I know you're gonna do something stupid that's gonna piss me off. Please go away. Yeah. Like I think there's something wrong with me a little bit because every time it happens to me my friends are like, dude, you need to settle down. I'm like, I can't help it. I can't yeah. I can't help it. Like I came up here because I don't wanna be around people. I'm around people all the time. And yeah. I'm an extrovert, so it's weird. Like when I'm, oh, really? when I'm, but when I'm in the mountains in the wilderness, I don't want to be around a ton of people. Oh, uh, that's that's funny because it's I'm kind of the opposite. <laughs> where I'm an introvert in life, and then when I'm outside, like I'll there'll be people around, and sometimes I'll say hi and maybe chit chat. Um, but I generally, if I'm like standing on the on a bus or whatever, I'm not chit chatting with anyone. <laughs> huh? That is so yeah. funny. Like I wonder, huh? I wonder what that's about, because it must be, like, uh, I, it's interesting. Like, maybe your true self comes out when you're in the wilderness or something. I don't know. Maybe. I'm, Drunk on wilderness. Well, yeah, really. my true self is, is kind of ugly, if that's the case, because, like I said, I I do get, like, kind of in this weird mood, like, uh, go away, like, 
I'll go. Like just this uh, last trip I went on, I was, um, I was, you know, I'm in Southwest Colorado during fall color. So of course there's a billion people, but like yeah. I went to this, you know, this spot, it's pretty well known. It's called Dallas divide and I'd never shot it before. And I was going to try and shoot it. And I got to the parking lot and man, there was like tour buses and like three or 40 oh. cars. And I was just like, and then like someone busted out a drone and, and mm. I was, and I have, those are my bane of my existence right now. I'm against drone photography, but like, just yeah. don't do it when I'm there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like, those are sweet shots, but like, I don't like hearing those. Um, but it's, it's exactly. so funny because um, if I was in the city or something, I'd be like, eh, it's cool. I don't care. But yeah. like, when they're all around all those people, I was like, uh, I took two photos and then I just got back in the car and left. I was just like, I'm done with this. This is stupid. Because, I don't know, for me, it's well, like about the experience of being in the wilderness by yourself. Yeah, exactly. And and you like to climb mountains, right? I do, right? yeah. And so that's, that would be, because I like, I, I'm, I wear glasses, and so I can go up the mountains, but I can't get down oh. them. Um, so <laughs> I generally am a, a valley dweller-ish um, for that reason. And um, so I think... If you're a kind of person who likes to get up and away, um, being down with all the peoples, probably that's where you get the anger. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, it's a, it's definitely <laughs> a personality it. flaw for me, though, because um, when I... Well, tour buses can make anything. Well, yeah, I guess that's probably true unless you're a restaurant owner. <laughs> like, all right, <laughs> I'm going to make some money today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, with drones, there's a lot of drones that have been happening in like just because same with the U.S. national parks, Canada, uh, yeah. we ours are illegal. It's illegal in the national yeah. parks, and um, anytime that I'm I'm out on a, on a, a workshop, um, I'm asking my clients, I'm like, do you mind if I go just kind of educate these people? Because <laughs> like, do you mind if I take my time away? <laughs> and like, I go up to them, I'm like take the take it down and like it's like oh i saw a video of this online like no it was illegal and like oh i looked it up i'm like the website you were on was wrong it's illegal (laughs) so there's um i've i probably educated at least 15 people this summer with illegal drones Hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah you know i i mean but it it sucks because i love the pictures that come from it so it's it's really hard to educate. I know because like, some of the best so annoying right now is coming out of drones. Like my exactly, buddy, my yeah. buddy Kane, who I went with on my fall color trip, like he has a drone and and he was showing me some of the stuff he got, and I was like, that is stuff that is unmatched. Like, yeah, and not just because it was taken from a drone. Like it's just the perspective, the the what the compositional. Um, opportunities that you get from using a drone are yeah. endless because it's like you're not limited by by the space or by things in front of you or objects like it's it's Definitely. kind of insane if you think about what it does for you compositionally so i yeah. understand the appeal of it but at the same time it's like if i was in a wilderness area or a national park and i saw one like i would be compelled to talk to someone or start throwing rocks at it or something like that. Like, because <laughs> yeah. there, there's a reason why they're banned. Like, people don't want yes. the, that experience. Like, it's it's more important to have the experience than to have the photograph or the memory. And I think, yeah. 
that's something we often lose sight of as photographers too is um you know it's sometimes it's more important to be in the moment than to get the epic shot definitely i am at least three times a week if i'm out shooting i find a need to have a jetpack because i don't (laughs) want to have a drone take the pictures but i still want to take the pictures so i need a jetpack or like a flying carpet or something (laughs) Something like that. It'd have to be silent, not a buzz like the drone, and I need to be able to hover, hover and do long exposures. Well, I don't think a jetpack But eventually, work. they'll. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> eventually, there's going to be a photo jetpack. Right. Where I can do everything that I want from like 50 feet in the air. Well, eventually, you'll be able to <laughs> just like log into a satellite and take photos with that. But I still want to take the picture. Right, right, right. So I need to get up there. <laughs> you know, it's funny because. Um, I often ask this question too. It's been I don't, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot lately about just the state of landscape photography because it's super super saturated. Tons mm-hmm. and tons of signal to noise ratio. I mean, there's every day. I am. I mean, I think you probably saw. It, like I posted like a question like or, hey, tag some tag a landscape photographer you want to hear on my podcast. And like, yeah, I know a lot of photographers and I've seen a lot of good work and it was like just from posting that one question i i got to see like 50 new artists that like i've never seen their work before and they're really good so it's like obviously people aren't doing landscape photography because they want to make money or because they want to be famous or like they're doing it because because you just said something that triggered me to think this is and it's that i still want to take the picture and there's something about being the architect of that of that yeah. thing that makes it yeah. still worthwhile and fun, even if there's no financial gain or, or, or otherwise. Yeah. And I, I'm just curious, like, what is your experience with that? Well, if, if people didn't want to see it with their own eyes and take the picture, then no one would be at Marine Lake. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the most photographed places ever. That like, at least around here, um, and it's still constantly busy. People revisiting, and people wanting to see it for the first time with their own eyes. Like it's, um, it's yeah, I. I don't well, know. but it's interesting because like, you can see it with your own eyes, but people go back and they take picture, pic, like you'll take pictures of it, and then you'll go back again and take pictures of it again, and it's not because you yeah. wanted to see it again. It's because you wanted to experience, experience taking the photo again, which is yeah. kind of meta, but it's, I don't know, it's interesting <laughs> to think about, like, that's the that's the brain process that's happening. It's, it's almost like smoking a cigarette yeah. for some people. It's like, it's not the, um, I don't know, like, it's going through the motions that people like. It's, I don't know. It is, and like... That's why so many people are going back to um, to shooting and developing their own film, because um, you're getting a bit more hands-on with it. Um, some people are getting more into post-processing, so you can have more control over the photo um, on the computer. And, the, and some people are spending more time learning um, about filters and, and learning different techniques within the camera. Like People are wanting to kind of invest more knowledge and invest more time into the actual um, photography part of it instead of just like taking a snapshot. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause you know, back in the day, people would have just been happy to take their Polaroid and call it good to go. Yeah. 
but now it's like there's a whole like um process behind it that people uh are addicted to or something i, I mean i think i am too to some degree like um well okay well that was kind of a tangent but um well so you've listened to the you've said you've listened to all the podcasts which i'm impressed i'm I super have, impressed i appreciate <laughs> appreciate that um so you know i ask everyone what advice do you have for other photographers based on the name of the podcast uh collaborate and listen um well i think um to kind of focus on the collaborate um a lot of people may think that like the collaborate part is um is is actually working together and creating something instead of like just copying um like going to the same place taking the same shot but it's like seeing that that shot that you want like i want that shot um but it really should be like how did they take that shot and learning that kind of stuff and collaborating um that way i guess is it's more the techniques of photography um that you can apply to your own um area of vision um, oh man, you just gave me like a really good idea, and I'm not gonna tell you what it is. Oh, not because I don't want to collaborate, because I I want to I want it to be a secret until I. But yeah, okay. that's that's funny. Like that just gave me a good idea. Like cool. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't forget what the awesome. idea is. I have to write it down. Okay. All right. Well, that's good advice, and it prompted me to have a really cool idea, which I won't tell you. And thank you for that inspiration. Um, no problem. So, you know, the other question I ask is, um, who are some other photographers that have been inspirational to you that you would love to hear on the podcast? Um, well, I think I, I was thinking of a bunch of people and a lot of the people you've already had on or a lot of people have already mentioned them to have on. Um, so I wanted to kind of go with some different people that um, I, some people know of, some people may yeah, not know Yeah, that's perfect, of. actually, because, um, you know, I, I think, you know, some of the cooler interviews I've done are with people that I've just never, ever heard of ever before, and so that would be great, yeah. Yeah, um, so these are all kind of uh, shout-outs to, like, DeviantArt was a website yeah, that I used, I used to, to be on, be on like, a billion years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so um victoria hawk okay. is one okay. of them two a's <laughs> um uh jacqueline tanamora um both victoria and jacqueline both live in the same town and they're um uh they're both they're they're pretty epic people i like epic people um and, and <laughs> yeah and they're they're great photographers well that that i mean that's implied right <laughs> oh, of course <laughs> And um, I probably um, say uh, Peter. I don't know how to say his last name. Oh yeah, Postkun, yeah, 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 yeah. Peter would be great. Yeah. Um, Peter's pretty I, uh, awesome. Yeah. I think I just barely missed him in Colorado when he was here a couple, couple, three weeks ago. I think yeah, I think I oh, just really? missed him by a day because he he had dinner with um, the people that I ended up hooking up with to shoot with. So I, yeah, he would be great. I've been I've been oh, following really? his stuff for for a while. Yeah. Nice. I was supposed to um, possibly meet up with him a bunch of years ago in uh, Glacier, um, and 
I was looking for the this type of vehicle with the Arizona plates and just never never ended up running into them. Um, but yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> and then I would probably say um, Nolan. Nitsky. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know how to say his last name either. Um, he just opened up a gallery. Well, um, you're in luck which... because he is booked uh, a couple awesome. weeks from now. I have him on the podcast. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. I'm very excited yeah. for that. Then. He's um, Yeah, I'm yeah. excited to have that conversation because uh, I've always wanted to, you know, galleries I feel like are a dying breed too. So I think that'll be an interesting conversation yeah. with him as well. Yeah. yeah. I guess the last name that I'll put out there is uh, Alex. Oh, Neal yeah, I know Alex. Yeah. From, uh, yeah. Um, I think he'd be interesting to to listen yeah, to. Yeah, he's um, in like the UK, right? He is. Yeah. yeah. I um, so I don't know if you're on 500 PX, um, but um, you know how they have the guest guest editor program. I was yes. like one of the very first, like in the first or second month they did that program. I got somehow luckily got to be a guest editor on there, and um, mm-hmm. he I one of the pictures I selected was his because. Um, it just blew my mind and it was of a location I'd never seen oh, before yeah. and you know like perfect lights and it was just really good, well done and because he, he seems kind of yes. like a an explorer which I really like I like I like he that. is yeah he likes to to do that extra hard work to climb up something and and camp up there and and uh, get thrown around in the wind and yeah, he's yeah, pretty that's cool kind of that's why he's always interested me because that's kind of that's kind of my thing too is go do weird shit like that and you know yeah. and then complain <laughs> about how like it rained all night or like there was no clouds or yeah. whatever. So, um, <laughs> yeah. always making it hard on myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always. That's what makes the photo. Fo- that's what makes the photos. No, that's true. I mean, some of my favorite memories. Not to everyone else. Yeah, yeah. some of my favorite memories are like you know I didn't get a single good photo, but it was still an awesome trip. So yeah, yeah totally. Well, cool, man. It's it's been really cool to have you on the podcast. Um, and I'm thank it's you wonderful. for um, page your patience and and persistence no and um, and all of the great conversation. I'm yeah, like I said, you gave me a really cool idea for a project. So I'm gonna see okay. if I can pull that off. And then I'll I'll let you know what that all is right. offline. And then you'll okay. tell me. Awesome! I love yeah, to know secrets. Yeah, you'll have to tell me how, if my idea is any good or not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Oh, thanks. All right.